Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Boundless Gamers podcast. This is episode 42. My name is Mike, and joining me today is the person who absolutely loves the Paramount Plus Halo show, the famous archaeologist, Indy. <laughs> You'll come to learn how false of a statement that was later. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to trigger you no, you're right not. out of the gate. I'm not? Okay. <laughs> You've been doing it ever since you knew I watched it. Yeah. It's kind of wore off now. Has it? I don't know. Does it still bother you? I don't know. Are you still getting a kick out of it? Yeah. Then yeah, it still bothers me. <laughs> All right. So, this episode, we have some cool shit, but we also have some not-so-cool shit that we're going to get into right now. So, we have a few announcements. I'm sure some of you have already seen the posts we made on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. It was Jacques' letter. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, don't worry. I'm going to read it right now for you guys. Uh, let me just pull it up. All right, here it is. Dear Boundless Gamers family, Jacques here. I am writing this to let you all know that I am taking an indefinite leave of absence. Don't worry, I didn't sexually harass Mike or anything. Simply put, I am completely burnt out. Upon reflection of our recent episode on burnout, I realized I have been neglecting my own mental health for too long and that I should take my own advice. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to set a good example. I don't know how long I will be gone, but don't be alarmed if I am silent for a while. I need the peace and quiet to heal my mind. I am muting all notifications, so if you need me for an emergency, let Mike know, and he can notify me. I'm happy to say this community has grown beyond just me and Mike. Everything is in good hands and will continue on. I'm proud of everyone involved and thankful to anyone who has turned in, tuned in, sorry, and gotten something out of what we do. With that being said, I will see you down the line. So, not something you guys probably wanted to hear tuning into this episode, but I am completely okay with this, 100%. I care about Jock's mental well-being not the show. His mind is on the top. That that sounds weird. I, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> he is important to the show. He's very important. He always will be. But he has to take care of himself right now. Because when you're dealing with that shit, you kind of have to just drop everything for a while and heal. And me, Indy, and Ash are going to run the ship for a while. Mm -hmm. We're going to steer it into the uncharted waters. Don't worry, we know what we're doing. <laughs> Jacques needs this time. So if you're a little disappointed about this news, I'm sorry. That probably means you don't like me into your ash as much as Jacques. And that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We completely understand. Because I know some of Jacques' friends listen to this every week. They love hearing Jock. But right now, he just needs a little time away from all this. So I hope you guys can understand that. You pretty much said it. I mean, we absolutely wish him the best. 
we all we all had a small sit down and talk about it and we were all very supportive um Jacques I mean he has our full support whatever he needs whatever how much time he needs um we're gonna be right behind him so yeah as, as whatever he needs to do we're all for it like you said he'll always be an important part of the show he always has an open invitation to come back whenever he is ready but mm-hmm. I mean ultimately all we all of us just want what's best for him and if he tells us he needs to go silent for a while then by all means he has our blessing and uh we'll be sitting here waiting for him the conspiracy theories are starting right now they probably think i kicked him out because of the comments he made about my liara or it'll be a weekend at bernie's thing yeah yeah we're just gonna move his body around (laughs) see he's fine and uh we're good to go look see he's okay as he falls over We'll come on and start talking about how we hate British kids, and um, we'll pretend we're Jacques. I don't know where he's coming from when he says that. When he says that shit, <laughs> I don't know, but it's funny as hell. But maybe it's the tone in their voice that gets Jacques crazy. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. Maybe one of these days I will talk to him about that privately and be like, "Okay, what's the deal with the British kids? <laughs> we have to know." But yeah, Jacques, we're going to miss you, buddy. We hope you come back soon. But if not, that's okay, too. All right, enough of that sad stuff. I want to talk about some exciting, cool things. I'm happy to announce that we are officially working on an online shop for merchandise. We don't have it up and running yet. We're still working all that out. But when it does launch... It's going to have the Boundless Gamers t-shirt. And we're also going to have some Boundless Gamers logo stickers. We made over a hundred of them. So those are all ready to go. We can't wait for you guys to see them. I don't think we ever show them on social media yet. I don't think we did, no. No. We'll have to get on that. But when the shop launches, we're going to let you guys know right away because i know some of you have been asking for a t-shirt and we're hearing you we we understand you want it soon but we still got to get some things sorted out now when the shop does launch we're probably going to have some sort of a pre-order system for the shirts because we just don't know how many sizes we got to order we don't know how many smalls or mediums and extra larges and whatever so a pre-order system is probably what we're going to be doing help us figure all that shit out. I want to ask you guys a question. What kind of merchandise do you want to see us do? Like, do you have any suggestions? Because we're open to other ideas for the shop when we have it ready to go. But when it launches, it's most likely just going to have the t-shirt and the stickers. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. (laughs) I think you about covered it. I'm not good with announcements, guys. I don't know what it is. I always feel like weird when I'm talking about an announcement for something. I don't know. I think I just I work in sales so much. I <laughs> it comes second nature to me. It's just like, hey, here's what we're doing. You know, you channel your best announcer voice and get excited as best you can and just go with it as best you can. Yeah, that's not me. <laughs> All right. Let's jump into what we're playing. Uh, Indy, I think you and me 
have been playing the same game this week and nothing else. Yeah, we kind of uh, agreed that this was just going to be our whole uh, what we're playing topic, and um, I'm not mad about it. No. It's a mini subtopic for the show. Mm-hmm. We do have a main topic, guys. Don't worry. This isn't it. But since we're only going to be talking about one game, this is like having two topics in one episode. And if those of you that actually know me and Mike, this is probably going to not come as a shocker to you guys about what game we've been playing. Lego Star Wars, the complete saga. Not the complete saga. Shit. That's the Xbox 361. <laughs> the Skywalker saga. The Skywalker saga. Yes. There's so many Lego Star Wars games. I'm sorry. There's a ton of them. There are. There's a ton of Lego games in general. But um, I think you're a lot further in this than I am. I would say so, because I beat it. Okay. Yep. See, that's more than me. <laughs> um, so, I started on A New Hope. Um, I'm trying to keep it to, like, an episode a day. For those that don't know, um, in the past week, I actually got extremely sick. Um, I actually had a fever that peaked around 102. So I was kind of down for the count. Like, I actually tried playing some Destiny. Was I was missing over 50% of my shots. So shooters were out. And I did want to get LEGO Star Wars. And I there was a point in the... I think it was the second day or third day. It was the third day where I was just looking at the Xbox store. And I saw LEGO Star Wars. And I stared at it for a good half hour. And eventually was like, fuck it. I'm sick. There's nothing else I can do. And this would be a good way to waste time. So I bought it, I went through A New Hope, um, first night, loved it. Next day, Ash went out to go run some errands, so I started Empire Strikes Back, finished it, she got home, and then I think we watched a movie, and then I worked today, so I didn't get to play Return of the Jedi, so I've played A New Hope, and I've played Empire Strikes Back. I'm glad you picked the original trilogy first. I didn't do that, I went straight to the prequel trilogy. And that was probably not a good idea, <laughs> because in the prequel trilogy, well, in all three trilogies, there's these open world... Like the hub world kind of things? Yeah, between the missions and all three trilogies, you have these hub world open map sections of the game. I'm not a fan of them, and they're really bad in the prequel trilogy. I think they're used way too often. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good thing, because sometimes I just want to do the missions. I don't yeah. want to run around in this big open area and do a bunch of bullshit I don't want to do. And it forces you to go there a lot. Like, you'll go to a mission, you'll do a mission, and some of these missions are very, very short, and then you're back into these open area sections. And I'm like, oh, God, I got to run back to this mission. I got to go over here just to trigger a cutscene. And then it tells me, okay, now I got to go all the way over here to trigger another cutscene. Then I got to go all the way over here to go to the mission. Yeah, that that sounds way worse than anything I've dealt with so far. I didn't feel that in the original trilogy. And in the sequel trilogy, it's not that bad. But other than that, I'm really liking the game. Oh, it's great. Uh, I'm st still playing it. I'm starting to go through the free play stuff now to collect some of the bricks and mini kits and all that shit. The graphics in this Lego game is probably the best I've seen in any of the Lego games, like hands down. It's way better than it has any right to be, honestly. 
And when I mean graphics, I'm talking about the environment. Obviously, the Lego characters, you can only do so much with that. Now, the combat in the game. This is one of my favorite things here. Because they gave it a complete 100% overhaul. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, they gave us a new camera. It's like over-the-shoulder kind of third-person action-adventure camera angles. It's really great. It feels like a third-person shooter now. And when you're a Jedi, they implemented a lot of new mechanics. You can even like hold down a block button now and deflect shots back. Well, you can kind of do that before, but it felt more automatic in the previous games. In this, it feels like I actually have control over it. Yeah, and um, they also added like this cool, almost Devil May Cry light juggle combo system, which is really cool. Um, Not something I expected. Now, the best thing about this game, hands down, is the cutscenes. That's always my favorite thing in the Lego games, but they really shine in this one. And they just made me chuckle throughout the entire game. There was actually a couple moments where I was like, like my fucking guts were busting just from laughing so fucking hard. Like, I know there's, I forgot what point it was. Um, well, I won't say what point because there was a couple, but there was a few moments where my sides were hurting from me laughing so hard. And I don't know if it's just because I was like so tired or sick that I was just slap happy, but I was laughing my ass off at several parts that just twists and turns that they do, like just poking fun at the original movies. Just some of the stuff that they did, I did not see coming and it'll catch you completely off guard. There's a freaking hilarious scene at the end of the Darth Maul fight in episode one. (laughs) I almost lost it. I can only imagine. Now, wait till you get to Last Jedi, Indy. They poke fun of that movie a lot. Good. Now, I know they they make fun of all of the movies, but they really poke that Last Jedi here. There was a part, it's not a cut scene, so I'm going to say this because you may actually miss it. There's two stormtroopers. Um, talking to each other and this right here told me that the writers over at traveler's tales i think that's the developer's name they don't like the movie (laughs) because (laughs) they said oh man we've been chasing them for so long now can't we just blow them up already (laughs) (laughs) when i heard that i was like okay i know where these guys stand with this movie and they also made fun of uh, Holdo. Minor spoiler because of shit. This is a Lego game. There's three of them. There's three Holdos. I don't understand this, but there's three of them, and each one has different colored hair, and they all kind of like talk at the same time. <laughs> so they don't like her either. So it's safe to say that, yeah, they're just like everybody else. They did not like that movie. Yeah, definitely. I, I got that vibe. Halfway through the game, I was like, oh, they don't like this movie at all. I felt a little of that in Rise of Skywalker as well. Uh, With Force Awakens, I was actually a little disappointed with that one. Really? They kind of half-assed it. And I understand why they half-assed it and and wanted to rush through it quickly. It's because they made an entire Force Awakens game not that long ago. Oh, that's true. So they were just like, all right, let's just get this over with. But yeah, the level designs are pretty good. 
for the most part, and I'm specifically talking about the main missions, not the open areas. There was a few here and there that felt very repetitive. It kind of just felt like copy and paste. But the the pod race is actually really cool in this. Like they actually put a lot of effort into it. I was, I was and it's in first person view. There's a lot of improvements across the board in the Skywalker saga. But at the same time, I felt like they took a few steps back. And it mostly has to do with those open areas. They just felt very lackluster to me. Unnecessary. And a lot of the collectibles are locked behind free play. Now, I understand that's how it is in all the LEGO games. But it seems like in this one, they went the extra mile with that. Almost every one I was seeing, it was like, nope, got to come back later in free play mode. And I was like, well, oh, the frick sucks. all the collectibles right now. I'll just do the main missions and just mainline it. And I never did that before in the other Lego games. I usually take my time and get a lot of the collectibles along the way. And then, of course, you have a few free play ones here and there you can't do yet. But this one has a lot of them. Huh. So you're basically forcing me to just mainline the game. Maybe it's because they're trying to force, like, interactions between characters from different timelines. Because I've seen some funny videos where, like, young Anakin is paired with Darth Vader. And he looks at him and is like, oh, I want a cool suit like that. And Vader looks at him and is like, have patience, young one. <laughs> so maybe they're trying to make sure you don't miss out on those interactions. Yeah, that's probably it. And I think I saw, I mean, there's been a couple of funny one-liners that I've seen with customer, or the customers, wow, you can tell I work today, uh, characters interacting with uh, things from, or like each other from different eras, because I know there's one where Boba and Django are talking to each other, and Boba looks over at Django and says, you have really nice armor, and then Django's like, you have nice armor too, and they just have this bro moment of Mandalorian armor, so... I, if I had to guess, I mean, it's got to be something among those lines. You know what I really loved about this game, especially in the cutscenes, because it's all voice acted, the cutscenes, just like the past couple of Lego games, because that's that hasn't always been the case right. with Lego games. I forgot when they first started doing this. I think it was like 2014, maybe. Or 15? It may have been longer than that, because the original LEGO Star Wars came out on the OG Xbox. Oh, no, I know that. I'm just saying when voice acting started oh, in the oh, LEGO oh, games, gotcha. I think it started in 2014 or 15. And before that, there was just a ton of LEGO games where you just heard the LEGO characters grunting like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that was the dialogue, basically. Yep. But now it's all fully voice acted, which is great. I noticed they got a few of the actual actors, like Anthony Daniels, uh, Billy D. Williams. Yeah. They didn't bring back uh, Daisy Ridley or the other actors from the, the, the sequels. They were in the Force Awakens Lego game, the, the standalone game. They actually got all of them to record new lines and all that. But in this one, they got people that kind of sound like them, just a little bit. Qui-Gon Jinn. Now, I know they can't get Liam Neeson. But whoever did his voice is horrible. Oh, he didn't even try. <laughs> like, I think I can do a better voice. That's how bad it is. 
Wasn't it um the voice actor they got? I feel like it was the guy who does the like opening like monologue for the Clone Wars TV show. I think that was the voice actor they got. Oh my god. Yeah, no, that just doesn't work for me. Sorry. No, it it doesn't. I mean, it is what it is. But I think for Anakin and Obi Wan, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the clips that I've seen. It sounds like they've got the voice actors from Clone Wars to do Anakin and Obi-Wan. Yeah, I've noticed a few Clone Wars actors okay. when I was looking at IMDb. They even got Sam Witwer to do the Emperor and Darth Maul, and he does oh, do those nice. voices. He, he does an incredible Emperor voice. Oh, he's like dead on. But yeah, I, I recommend this game. If you're a Lego fan, you got to play this. Sure, there's some things I mentioned I don't like. If you're not a fan of big, wide-open sections in your LEGO games, you're probably going to have an issue (laughs) when you're going through the episodes. But the combat is so good. The stories, uh, which, you know, it's it's the Star Wars movie stories, but they had to, like, kind of tweak them a little bit because of co-op and two players. Like, for instance, like when... uh, Luke is fighting Vader and Empire Strikes Back. R2-D2's there <laughs> in the cutscenes. He's there. Yeah. And he's involved in the cutscenes, and he's in, and he's in the dialogue and everything. I'm like, okay, well, this is different. Yeah, because I think, like, um, R2 has to save Luke from the um, cryo-freezing thing. Mm-hmm. Like, he has to turn it off so Luke can get out. Little things like that throughout all the episodes to accommodate the two-player mode. And I, and I appreciate them doing that because in previous Lego games what they did was uh, they would just like take the character away you know the second player away from the cutscene and then when the gameplay comes back oh look there he is he's back but no they actually implemented them into the cutscenes this time around and that and that's pretty damn cool it gives the uh, scenes a different feel I still feel like there's a better way of doing that I think like for a boss fight like that a better option would have been to, like, if for example, the Luke's, uh, the Empire Strikes Back thing with Luke versus Vader. I think a better option would have been just have your player two play as Vader. Yeah, that could work. But at the same time, Indy, this is a Lego game, so. Oh yeah, I mean you're not wrong. You're gonna have liberties across the board. <laughs> if we're gonna give a review and nitpick it, that's gonna be one of the things I'm gonna say. But yeah, I'm looking forward to playing some more of it uh, tomorrow. I would like to talk about this some more, but maybe we'll save our extra thoughts for when we do a Star Wars episode, because we do have plans to do a Star Wars episode in May. But yeah, I don't have any other game to talk about. I did play another game, but I decided to shelve it right now because I want to talk about it with Ash. I think she'll enjoy talking about that particular game. Can't say what it is, guys. So. Guess. (laughs) Keep guessing. Actually, you'll never guess it. I was about to say, if one of you manages to guess it, we're going to come up with some kind of prize for you. I don't know. I'll give you some extra points on the Twitch. I don't know. Guys, if you can guess the game, one guess only, we'll get you something. We don't know what it is, but we'll get you something cool. (laughs) All right, Andy, let's move on to the inventory. I think I'm going to let you tackle the first part of this solo, because I have to go take care of something real quick, guys. 
Sure, no problem. I got this. All right, so we have eight news items in the bag. There's some interesting ones here. Now, do keep in mind, guys, we didn't have an episode last week. So some of the news is old news. Number one, PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now are merging together. Starting in June, PlayStation users will be able to choose from three subscription tiers. Two of these tiers will include PS Now and some other interesting perks. Here's the first tier. It's called PlayStation Plus Essential. This tier provides the same benefits that PlayStation Plus members are getting today. You know, your two monthly games, your cloud saves, etc., etc. The next tier is called PlayStation Plus Extra. Now, this one comes with all the benefits from the Essential tier and adds a catalog of up to 400 PS4 and PS5 games. Games in the extra tier are downloadable as well, and it's going to cost $100 a year, $99.99. And the last one is called PlayStation Plus Premium. This one provides all the benefits from Essential and Extra tiers. It adds an additional 340 games, including PS3 games available via cloud streaming a catalog of beloved classic games available in both streaming and download options for the original PlayStation, that's right, the PS1, the OG system, PlayStation 2, and PSP, the PlayStation Portable. The handheld with those UMD discs you would stick in the back. Man, I missed that system. That was a really good handheld. Kind of weird how they designed it with those UMD discs. I don't know why they went that route. But anyways, this tier will also include both cloud and download options for the PlayStation 1, PS2, PSP, PS4, and PlayStation 5 games. So there is going to be some PlayStation 5 games. I didn't write down how much this one costs, but if I'm going to pull something out of my head right now, I think it was $120 a year. That sounds right. Now, I know a lot of people are very disappointed to hear that the PlayStation 3 games are still going to be streaming only but there still might be some hope some popular people in the gaming news media are claiming that they have sources that are telling them that sony is working on a way to get the playstation 3 games to run natively on the playstation 5 so that means it would give us a download option for the games no streaming i mean well you could still stream that option will be there but you'll have the extra option to download the games to your hard drive and play them natively. And that's what we really want. I know I have a PlayStation three sitting right over there, but it would be nice if I can actually play some of my PlayStation three games on my PlayStation five. Let's hope to God this is true because Sony doesn't have an excuse anymore. Fans, the fans have created a working PlayStation three emulator fully functional has a few little weird quirks about it but other than that you can play the playstation 3 games on your computer yeah a small group of people came together and made this happen so i don't want to hear any more excuses from sony their software engineers can figure it out and they have no choice now because if the fans can do it 
and they don't do it, it just looks bad. It makes you look inexperienced or you don't know what you're doing. So now they're going to have to prove everybody wrong and implement this into the PlayStation 5. We need that. Especially now, because they're going to be doing PlayStation 1, 2, and PSP. No mention of Vita. And there's a reason for that. There's stuff on the Vita that just can't be translated over into a console. Like the back touchpad on that thing. There's some games that actually require you to put the camera up against the light. So it like shows an image on your screen. I'm trying to think what what game that did this. I believe it was Uncharted Golden Abyss. Yes, that, that was the one. You actually had to do that. You had to put the camera up against the light. So how the hell are you going to do that on a console? You would have to actually go back to the game and modify it. And that's not going to happen. So let's see. Is Indy back yet? No. Okay. Well, he missed the first one. No biggie. Number two, The Legend of Zelda. Breath of the Wild 2 has been delayed. It will now launch in spring 23. I don't really care that it got delayed because I'm not a Zelda fan. But many of you out there who are listening, you are big Zelda fans. I get it. So I feel for you. Breath of the Wild 2 had a chance to beat Elden Ring for Game of the Year. Not saying I want to see that happen, but this was one of the few games that could could have done that. So that's off the board now. Now, the only other game that's left that could actually beat Elden Ring for Game of the Year when the VGA Awards comes around in December is God of War Ragnarok. That's the only other game, I think, that can actually dethrone Elden Ring. I, I just don't see another game beating Elden Ring right now. It's just dominating the gaming news. It's on everybody's mind. It's sold an insane amount of copies. It's one of the highest rated Metacritic games of all time. A lot of people are saying it's one of the best games they've ever played. And when you get that kind of praise for a game, you're probably going to win game of the year. I mean, the current games that are announced right now for this year that we know of i don't see them beating elden ring unless there's a hidden game that we don't know about that hasn't been announced yet maybe all right i'm back oh you're back okay well let, let me catch you up indy i finished the first story all right first story was about the playstation plus tiers the new memberships gotcha. options that gotcha. everybody's gonna be getting don't really have to go over any of that. I know you know all about that shit. The second story uh, I just finished, uh, it was uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 getting delayed. Ah, uh, yes. Said a bunch of things. Not going <laughs> to tell you. Keep okay. it a surprise. So when you go and listen to the show, you'll be like, oh, okay, okay. Cool. Or not cool. <laughs> so I was going to move into the third story and you just came back. So perfect timing. All right, number three, E3 2020. Well, I got to stop saying 2000. E3 22, <laughs> the digital and in-person event has officially been canceled. 
The Entertainment Software Association released a statement about this decision. I'll just read a quick quote from them. They said, we will devote all our energy and resources to delivering a revitalized physical and digital E3 experience next summer. There's a longer quote here, but I don't need to read any more than that. So no E3 this year, which is fine with me because the VGA shows at the end of the year kind of feels like E3 to me now with all their world premiere announcements. I mean, hell, a couple of years ago, they announced the Series X at the Video Game Awards. E3 is um, having a very, very slow death. Yeah. It will not. I mean, I know they're trying to say they're going to try and relaunch it next year. I think the luster's gone. I mean, Sony's not going to come back. Nintendo's not going to come back. I don't know what a new E3 would even look like. I'd say bury it and move on. It's a relic of the past. And you still have COVID hanging around doing its thing. So they can't have these massive conventions quite yet. Well, some are doing it, but others are kind of like, we don't know. So E3 is just in a bad situation. It's been trending downward for the past couple of years anyway. Yeah. I mean, there's money to be made there for the expo, but I I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the business ends look like as far as being somebody who presents at E3, but I mean, if they are charging like Microsoft or Sony or Ubisoft to come and have a conference, like, hey, we're going to charge you to have your stage. Like, what is, why would they do that at this point? They can do a digital event and do everything that they want to do just fine. I don't know what else to say about it. It's, I mean, I, I'm going to miss those massive E3 showcases where you have Sony, and then you got Microsoft, oh, yeah. and you got Nintendo, and they're all on the stage, and they're showing all the crazy shit they got to show. I had a great time watching those back in the day, but now it's like, ah. I still like the big shows, and I still want big shows, but Sony can do it themselves. They don't have to be at E3 to do it. Yeah, the last E3 that Sony did was the... uh the infamous, like, hey, let's jump to this theater, now let's jump to this theater, and we had oh, the God. magical pan flute guy for Ghost of Tsushima, and it was just weird. That was terrible. What they were showing wasn't terrible, but the whole presentation of them going outside and back on the stage and in this tent, I'm like, what are you doing? And when they <laughs> went outside, it was, like, very windy, and you can hear it, like, hitting the microphones and stuff. I'm like, oh, my God. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, there's a reason why they don't do that shit outside. And we know, too, because we we have our podcasts. Audio is very sensitive. <laughs> you want to go outside with wind? Be my guest, but I don't recommend it. There's a reason we say goodnight at the end of every episode. It's because it's usually midnight by the time we're done, because that's when it's quietest. <sighs> All right, let's move on. Number four. A new Tomb Raider game is in development. The developer Crystal Dynamics also announced Laura Croft's next adventure will be made in Unreal Engine 5. I've seen the demo footages for Unreal Engine 5, and it looks insane. It looks absolutely insane. Guys, please check out some of the tech demos they've published. 
with that engine. It's next gen. Well, I mean, you got to look at like what next gen always means. Because remember when the 360 came out, like every single target was displaying Call of Duty 2 as this is next gen. (laughs) And on that same system, we got all the way up to Modern Warfare 3, which just blew Call of Duty 2 away. Yeah. So, and then take it even a step further with PS3. I mean, the last game they released was The Last of Us, and no launch game even came close to looking how The Last of Us looked by the time that console was done. When that game came out in 2013, it looked like a PlayStation 4 game on the PS3. And I say the same thing about Part 2. It looks like a PS5 game. It really does. Let that sink in. But yeah, this is cool. I want another Tomb Raider game. I like the, the, the Tomb Raider reboot trilogy. Uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, the last one, was a little mixed on it, but I still enjoyed it. But the first two games, awesome. Absolutely love them. I played the first one. I didn't play any of the sequels, though. Oh, man. Did you beat the first one? Nope. Damn it, Indy. Just It just didn't grab me, but I remember graphically it looked really good. Yeah, I remember the 360 struggling with that game, with some of the cutscenes. Yeah. Because towards the end of the 360's life, it had like multiple disc games, like crazy. I think Tomb Raider <laughs> had two discs, and there was one that had four discs, but that actually was an older game. It was um, Lost Odyssey. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Because I was working for GameStop at the time, and people would trade that game in. Okay, so where's the other discs? And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, bro, come on. The system even tells me I need all four discs. Oh, thank God for Blu-rays. All right, number five. Remedy and Rockstar Games are teaming up. Max Payne 1 and 2 remakes have been announced for the PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, and of course, PC. I'm... Very excited about this because I've always wanted to go back and play the first two Max Paynes, but they're just so dated. I'm like, uh, I'm good. <laughs> so to hear that they're making a remake for both games has me excited. Because I like Max Payne 3. I don't know if you ever played that one. I actually haven't touched that franchise. I, I could see that. I could see that. You know, It's one of those IPs that kind of flies under the radar. Yeah, it's like I'm aware of it. I've seen a lot of gameplay of it. Um, I just never got around to playing it myself. But yeah, quick one. Not a whole lot I can say about that right now. I mean, I'm excited to see more of this. But until then, show me some more Alan Wake 2 Remedy. That that that's <laughs> That's what I want. All right. Next up, we have an interesting one. Something I actually added into the inventory last second. Like, literally last second. Like, 30 <laughs> minutes before we recorded. The movie Sonic the Hedgehog 2 has won the domestic weekend box office with ticket sales of 71 million. Sonic 2 also had the best opening weekend of any video game ever. Any video game movie ever. It's pretty cool. I can't even wrap my head around that because there's been a shit ton of video game movies. Most of them suck. I'd say 80% of them suck. And I'm being generous with that number. It's probably higher. It's definitely higher. 
Probably 90. <laughs> a lot of people like this movie. They say it's way better than the first one. People I've talked to that have seen it said that they um they were really happy with it and that, that it was actually better than the first one. So not only is it another good video game movie, but it's a video game movie that was better than its original movie. You know what I love about this movie is the poster that they released for it. How it's like the original Sonic 2 cover. Yeah, with Jim Carrey's Eggman on the top and everything. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what happens because I know Jim Carrey recently said in an interview that he's uh he's retiring. So, um yeah, we'll see what happens because they've they've flat out said that if Jim Carrey's done, they won't try and um recast Robotnik. That they'll just be done there. Knowing Jim Carrey, he's probably going to retire from everything but Sonic because he really loves the Eggman character he's been playing. And he wants to play a version of him with the big belly. So if he does officially retire, I think he's going to make an exception for Sonic. He hasn't been this high on the pedestal in, God, how many years? I don't know. It's been a while. The last relevant movie I remember seeing him in, besides the first Sonic movie, was uh, Kick-Ass 2. He was in that. Oh, yeah. And he regretted playing that character. I mean, the last movies that I think he probably had a really good time with were probably like Bruce Almighty and The Grinch. I think that was mm. what, that was probably where he kind of peaked. As far, well, I won't say peaked, but I think that was where he really started to head down on that downward slope of just kind of easing out of Hollywood. Because I know he's he doesn't like the Hollywood scene. From the interviews that I've seen with him, he really can't stand the mentality that everybody has. Yeah. I've noticed that about him. He speaks his mind. Oh yeah. He doesn't care. And I, and I appreciate that. Oh, it, absolutely. It's real. It's refreshing. You're not a scripted person when you yeah. go in an interview, like, Oh, he's going to say this and say that and say this and then be done. No, I don't know what the hell Jim Carrey's going to say in an interview. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to seeing Sonic 2 eventually. I don't know if I'll go see it in theaters, but I will definitely watch it at some point. Number seven, Kingdom Hearts 4 got announced today. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Neither do I. (laughs) I really don't care about this franchise. And now I understand the listeners out there probably love it it's the one some some of you guys probably love it have fond memories of the original games and you've played every single one i am happy for you but do not expect me to be happy about a kingdom hearts 4 announcement no, i won't play it i'm good now keep in mind i actually tried like i bought kingdom hearts 1 and i think it was like 1.5 remastered try to go through one and I remember I got to a boss, I think it was Cerberus or Hades, or it was something in the Hercules story. I was like, this is way too fucking hard. And then my sister played it, and then she took it even further than I did, and I was just like, I no, this game takes its, like, the difficulty for this series takes itself way too seriously for what it is. Like, this is not Elden Ring territory. Like, stop trying to make me put on my try-hard pants for a 
Kingdom or for a uh, Final Fantasy Disney cross up. This is no stop. I played the first game for about four hours and that was it. Take Final Fantasy characters and Disney characters and mix them together. That, that's a cool idea. I, I like where their head's at. And then the, the sequels, you got Pirates of the Caribbean, you got Toy Story and all this other crazy shit. I really want to like these games. Oh, yeah. I just can't get into the story and I don't like the gameplay. I mean, it's the only game that has a more convoluted story than Kingdom Hearts is Metal Gear. No, yeah, that's for sure. (laughs) But like we said, for those of you that are diehard Kingdom Hearts fans, because I know you guys are out there, super happy for you guys. All right, let's move on because I'm going to throw up. (laughs) Number eight. Uh, This is the last news item. and I'm going to hand this off to Indy because this is a touchy one for him. Yeah, take it, man. So, the Halo show is upon us, friends. And it is garbage. It is absolute shit. And I understand that there are those of you out there who say, no, it's actually pretty good. Um, You just have to separate the fact that you know all this stuff about Halo and just forget all that. And then it's a good show. I'm like, okay... But if I have to forget everything that I know about Halo, who the fuck is this show for? By the way, I warned Mike and I've warned a few friends off camera or off camera off the show that this is not going to be a gentle review. And I'm actually going to try and hold myself back. But the longer I talk, the more heated I may become. So just bear with me. Well, just real quick, the news part of this is that Angry Joe's uh, video of the episode two Halo show oh, yeah. put up a review. It got blocked worldwide by CBS because he railed on it. He, he yeah. and his uh, other two friends, uh, Other Joe and I forget his, uh, I forget the other guy's name, but yeah, they, they had a in-depth review on it they really tore it apart they were fair but they had a lot of criticism and cbs did not like that so they blocked the episode joe had to re-upload the episode in a clever way for it to be on his channel and um it was a manual block by cbs it was for a 14 second clip because when you do a manual block you have to cite what you're blocking and the kicker to that is that they uh, um, did a video review for episode one, which they actually gave some decent reviews, and they used several clips that they didn't claim. But because they talked bad about episode two, they found that one clip and blocked it. So like Mike was saying, Joe re-uploaded it and just didn't upload any clips. And then that was the solution. Um, of course, I heard he gave episode one a decent review. I'm like, why? (laughs) Um, I watched it while I was sick, and I'm convinced the only reason I watched it was because I was sick, and I must have been out of my fucking mind. I'll just, I'll open up with this. My initial reactions when when the show first started was, okay, cool, we're looking at, you know, some... Some you or not UNSC colonists? What were they? They were insurrectionists. Yeah, 
and these are the people that Spartans were originally bred to fight. They were not originally bred to fight Covenant. And then the Covenant show up, and you learn real quick. This is this show is rated R. I know the game is rated T for teen now, but people's heads get blown clean off like in the first ten minutes of the show. I'm like, fuck, this is dark. Okay, maybe it's not that bad. It got bad, um, because eventually somebody runs back to the village or enclave, whatever you want to call it. And the elites burst down the front doors and the elites have like several AKs on them. They have modern day Chevy Tahoes with warthog miniguns strapped to the back, barreling down on these elites, just bouncing off, not doing anything, which I find hilarious that it's 2552 and they're still using AKs. I think somebody corrected me and said it's the submachine variant. It's it's like oh the AK seventy four. Yeah. That, Either that way, one. it's an AK model. It does not exist in Halo lore. We've we've moved past that. So they're fighting elites with these weapons. Those rounds. I mean, it's five five six and seven point six two. They can put down an elite with enough fire, but you know because it's being fired by regular humans, it's not doing a fucking thing. Things go on, people getting slaughtered, Master Chief drops in with his assault rifle, or as I call it, the freedom rifle, and then all of a sudden he's doing damage to elites. I mean, the fight is cool. The fight is cool, I'll give you that. It's a cool fight until you see the CGI uh, from the elite side. Sometimes it looks really good, and other times it looks... uh really bad so like I'll, I'll say from the opening parts of the fight it's cool because chief takes on two elites he's dodging he's bursting with his rifle he's punching like he's he's moving like the chief like it's impressive and then things start to fall apart at some point chief decides oh my gun's empty so i'm just gonna throw it aside and they cgi'd an assault rifle being thrown on the ground and they cgi'd it badly why they didn't just film an assault rifle being thrown on the ground i'll never know but i digress um then you have not fred um who is a member of not blue team um (laughs) and i for those of you that don't know the extended lore chief is a part of blue team with fred linda and kelly fred being the almost equivalent to chief and the only other guy on the team they have a guy on Silver Team, forgot the guy's name because he's so forgettable, but he's wearing Fred's armor, who is using a DMR at full auto. I can I can let that go. That's fine. I don't expect them to keep that shit going, but he's firing an elite, and he, he decides, you know what? This ain't cutting it. I'm going to pick up a steel fucking pipe and beat an elite to death with it. That does the job. So that happens, and then you have not Linda, the sniper, who is also wearing Linda's armor, who <laughs> is a sniper, which is what Linda is. Again, I don't know why they took all this inspiration from the books and the games, and then it's like, we're going to change it. She does her sniper thing, the Spartans win the day, um, but not before the elites take a hostage and then this same minigun that wasn't doing a fucking thing to any elites, Chief, uh, Chief, Chief rips it off the mount and turns it into an amazing fucking just this freedom cannon that shreds elites like it's nobody's fucking business. 
because in his hands it works. And he just puts down these elites with no fucking effort, and that happens. That's one of my biggest issues with the show, stuff like that. Yeah. Like like we were just saying, the elites were under fire by all of them, and it was doing absolutely nothing. But hey, Spartan picks it up. It works now. Right. It's like, not only do you have plot armor, you have, like, plot guns now. So, that happens. They try to secure the area, and this is where shit gets really off the rails from Halo lore. They find a Forerunner artifact, Chief touches it, and he gets a flashback of all of his memories as a child, which don't even add up to his actual memories as a child in the books. And apparently it unlocks some part of Chief's psyche to where he's like, oh my god, I have feelings. And now, like, Chief is, like, questioning everything. Um, he goes rogue. They, um, I'm trying, I'm trying to remember everything that happens that I hated. I, like, I got to this point, and I was like, oh my god, okay, I'm done. Basically, to sum it up, you hated it. I hated it so fucking much, because you have not blue team which is called Silver Team in it, so I hate that. You have Captain Keys and Miranda Keys in it, which act nothing like their video game counterparts, which was weird. You have Halsey in there, who acts kind of like Halsey, but not Halsey at the same time. You have this random lady who apparently runs the whole fucking show and is just swinging her dick around, telling everybody, you're going to do this, the chief needs to do this, and it's just... None of it makes any fucking sense. Like it is not a show for hardcore Halo fans. It's it's I would I would even say it's not a show for people who are like I, you know fuck it. I'm just going to I'll I'll cut my rant short. It's not a fan. It's not a show for Halo fans. If you are if you have nothing to, that you know about Halo or your knowledge is, you know, Halo's 1, 2 and 3, you might you might like it. I know my brother-in-law loves it, and he was trying to tell me, it's like, no, you don't understand. This takes place before combat evolved. If you think it takes place like after, you're going to hate it. And I'm, the whole time I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I was like, bro, shut the fuck up. Just shut That's up. like when somebody talks to me about Knights of Republic and explains the lore to me, and I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Right. Quiet. Because <laughs> the whole time I'm sitting here watching this show, the whole time I'm just hearing in the back of my head, it's like, it's not, it's it's before combat evolved, and then there's a part where Chief's like explains, like, you can't even dent this armor, it's Mjolnir Mark VI. I'm like, yeah, it's before combat evolved. Chief didn't get the Mark VI until the beginning of Halo 2, but what do I know? It's just fucking details that I know imp- or infinitely, like, I just, or intimately, that's the word I'm looking for. Just, yeah, it's... I'm not going to watch any more of it. I I can't. I won't. I value my happiness too much. Like you said, if you're not a Halo fan, or you don't know anything about the Halo franchise, I think you will get some enjoyment out of this. Especially with the first episode, but with the second episode, that was just weird. I'm not going to get into that here, but I, I thought that episode just sucked. I haven't seen the third one yet. And the third episode, sorry for minor spoilers, it introduces Cortana. I haven't seen it yet. People are a little bit more positive with the third episode. I'm not the Halo guy. I'm not the 
No, that's I don't me. have a massive Halo encyclopedia in my head, and I'm seeing some major issues with the lore. Now, I understand it's a TV show, it's Hollywood and all that. They're going to do their own thing, but at the same time, it's kind of disrespectful to the franchise that they didn't even at least try or attempt to understand the universe. I think aesthetically, it looks like Halo, but the big major thing people have with the show is the... I won't say what it is. I want you guys to experience it yourself. Something with the Covenant. I was about to bring that up. Are we not going to bring that up? No, I don't want to bring it up because I really want people to be surprised by it. Okay, when y'all see it, I'm really fucking pissed about that too. Yeah, because it completely changes the belief system and lore of the Covenant. Now, it's they still seem like the Covenant, but this one thing they implemented... It just completely wrecks everything. And I, I don't understand why it's there. Because they didn't look at the source material. God help you guys if I watched episode two. Y'all got a very tame version of it because I'm actually I'm still sick. Like I'm still I'm still dealing with some stuff, so I'm very reserved. This was gonna be a lot worse. <laughs> just wanna let y'all know that. And Mike knows, because I was texting him the whole time I was watching it, and I was fucking livid. Do you want Indy to watch the entire season, and then we will review it at some point? Do you want to see that? Or do you want to hear that, I should say? Let us know. Uh, Make Indy suffer. Why? I thought thought the audience liked me. (laughs) It'd be a great topic, though. It would be a great topic. Okay, I'll tell you what. Um, If the audience votes for it, I will withhold all further Halo conversation until the season is over, and then I will give a season review. Then you could just go wild. Then I don't have to have you on a leash. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, you know, okay, so yeah, if I get at least... If I get at least five or six people in the comments of this episode... Whether it's in Discord, Facebook, wherever, if you guys manage to give me six people that say you guys want me to watch it and talk about it, I will do it. But I need at least six. Otherwise, I'm never watching another episode. You heard it, guys. We need your... I need your support, I should say, to get this topic. I think every Halo fan should watch this show to really understand the state of the franchise. I think it's very educational (laughs) and I'm very excited to see where this goes, but not in the good way. I want to see the train wreck finish. All right. That's it for the inventory. Putting the bag away. No more news. Let's move on to our topic of the show. And this is going to be a fun one, guys. This week, we're going to be talking about video game controllers and not just discussing them. We're actually going to rank them. We have four tiers. We have an S tier, we have a, a, a top tier, mid tier, and a bottom tier. Um, I don't have to explain what each tier means. I think you guys can figure that out. But yeah, I have a huge list here. I'm excited for this. Most of the controllers on this list we've actually experienced. We've held in our hands. There is a few on here where we haven't actually used it before, but we kind of felt like it would be a crime to not include these on the list. 
speaking of controllers that neither me or Mike have used, we did have one listener actually write me personally about a controller that he used a lot on the OG Xbox. Um, and he asked that I read it on the show. So this is from Tim talking about the Radica Gamester FPS Masters controller. Um, if you guys have never seen this thing, pause the show for a second, go look it up so you can have the what the fuck question mark uh, face that we both had when we looked this controller up ourselves. And he wrote a decent review. <laughs> so I'm going to try and speed through this as best I can, guys. Um, the master's controller to me is slash was a godsend and travesty all rolled into one double pistol gripped controller of badassery and confusion. Let us start with the design first. It was a very cool design at the time because shooter games like Halo were tits and like tits enjoyed by everyone. However, this controller made it a bit more fun because when you were shooting in the game, you felt as if yourself were holding that magnum from Halo or blaster from Star Wars. It almost made the games become alive with you at the helm. Now, I did use this controller for racing games as well, which turned out to be a huge mistake later. The Masters FPS controller game came with an LCD screen and the ability to program three different profiles depending on which game you were attempting to not rage quit at the time. The button layout was perfect if you were for shooter, if you for shooter games once you mastered. I think he had some typos there. Uh, the way they were configured, but like I stated, you could change that around to your liking. The controller has the four main buttons on the side of the two pistol grips, which allow the user to be able to hit any button at any time without removing your thumbs from the sticks. The thumbsticks were in the perfect spot too, not too far of the controller that you strained your hand, but they allowed full movement, and also you could use the inside of your thumb to tap and white. <coughs> Excuse me. You could use the inside of your thumb to tap and tap and white and black buttons. Now I get to what I consider the fault of the possibly glorious monstrosity those goddamn toothpicks called triggers. While aesthetically pleasing to the eye because it had trigger guards, the responsiveness of these things sometimes warranted a psych evaluation after each match because they would not register the last trigger pool that would have saved me from that fucking arbiter and his silly band of grunts and overinflated balloon animals called elites. Let's see, due to the piss-poor engineering by what I can only assume was a team of rejected bungee fanboy engineers still living in their parents' basements, I snapped those brittle bastards like the world's strongest man cracking a glow stick. <laughs> Granted, this was partially my fault because I also used this first-person shooter controller as a first-person steering controller, and, well, when you try to slam the brakes because the racer in front of you drives... Like, they are confusing Forza with fucking Burnout. You tend to snap some shit. Don't get me wrong, I will say that I had some fun one-handed gangster shooting this pig in games like Medal of Honor. And the nostalgia alone makes me to purchase another one, but there's no way in hell it would survive today's drug-fueled, anxiety-ridden gamers of today. It would end up smashed to pieces or ripped in half by some Twitch streamer and never be heard from again. This controller was a big memory in my personal gaming career because none of my friends could use it or understand how I did, so 
it set me apart and made it more fun or challenging. I do hope this review of the Radica Gamesters FPS Masters Controller has brought both curiosity and concern to you both, and maybe one day we can all partake in a nostalgic night of original Halo 2 and a LAN party into which I will bring that which is the controller of confusion. Sincerely yours, Scurvy J. Bartholomew III. Scurvy your poop deck being his gamer tag. That controller looks bizarre. Like it, it kind of reminds me of something that could be in the Star Wars universe. It does. It does. Oh man! But thanks for submitting that review. I mean, that's that is a <laughs> in-depth review for a controller. I probably would hate. I'm going to be honest with you. Just right. At it. <laughs> Guys, if you ever have anything that you want to send to us or anything you would like for us to read on the show, by all means, send it. More than likely, we'll read it because we'd never get anything like that. Definitely give us more of that stuff. It's good shit. But anyway, moving on to the actual topic at hand. We have a lot of controllers here. Now, we're going to speed through some of these, but there's a couple here. We'll, you know, share some thoughts, you know, because we're not going to let the Duke controller uh, go by so uh, easily. <laughs> All right. The first controller is the Atari 2600 CX40 joystick. Now, this is the uh, typical Atari controller, the one that has just the one joystick and the orange button on it. Mm-hmm. Very simple controller. I really don't have any issues with it. I, I had a, an Atari back in 2003 for about a year. Got it at a yard sale. So I have a little experience with this thing. So do I, actually. It, it's fine. It just it gets the job done. There's yeah. nothing special about it. It's it's a very old controller. Me personally, I would stick this in the mid tier list. Same. I'm updating my uh, list here. Okay, put it in in the mid tier. There we go. Next up is the NES controller. A very good controller for its time. But I feel it didn't this is age well. Piss some people off. No, it did not age well. I, when you hold this controller, it really digs into your palms. Okay, so I think we need to establish: like, are we rating these based off of what they were at their time, or how they stood up over time? Because I think a good controller right now. I, if you can pick up the controllers right now, we're gonna dis- we're gonna discuss them now. Okay. We're not going to go back in time with the time machine and be like, well, in 1992, it was a great... No, we're going to talk about them in 2020. Okay. NES controller, bottom tier for me. Yeah, I agree. NES system is incredible, has an amazing library of games, but the controller, it just wasn't comfortable. I'm sorry. It just wasn't comfortable. It's not. If if you're going to have a long play session with that thing, your hands are going to hurt. Yes. And that is a big no-no for me with the video game controller. So all the NES fans are probably pissed at us right now, but... Sorry, guys. It's in the bottom tier. Anyways, let's move on to the next one. Super Nintendo. Now, I would say that one's actually mid-tier. That one's a lot more comfortable to actually hold in your hand. Yeah, I'm bouncing back and forth between mid and top tier because I do think that is one of Nintendo's best controllers. Like, it's probably in their top five. So, the 
only thing that keeps me from putting it in top tier is the fact that the original Super Nintendo controller had like a three foot cord on it. Oh God, you're right. I yeah. forgot about that. Oh shit. Yeah, that sucks. You had to like hunch over Yep. Next to the television and your eyes would burn. And uh. I have some experience playing with it recently because when they released the uh the mini, which I did get, and me and Ash played Donkey Kong Country one on and beat, that controller got extended a little bit, but having to go back to playing on a corded controller not fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I agree with you on that. I'll accept mid tier. That controller also did not have enough meat on it. Like, yeah, it's flat. It's a flat controller. It's like the Nintendo Switch Lite. Yeah, I don't know if you guys use that. Things flat. I had mm. to get a grip for the thing so it could feel comfortable in my hand. All right, next up is the N sixty four controller. Bottom tier. <laughs> Yeah, 100% bottom tier. I'm sorry, guys. I I know there is a huge dedicated fan base that loves the N64 system and they like the controller, but let's be real here. If you give the N64 controller to somebody who's never held it before, how do you think they're going to hold it, Indy? How are they going to hold it? What's the most common way somebody holds the N64 controller when they have never held it before in their hands? If they were to pick it up for the first time today, probably one on either end, not the yep. left hand in the middle and then right hand on the C buttons. Exactly. And, and the button placements on there are weird. I understand this introduced an analog stick, had a trigger on the back. You can get a rumble pack for it. So it has vibration and all that. I totally respect that. I get it. But we got to be honest here. This is not a comfortable controller. No. There's funny like meme videos of like people showing like this is how you hold the controller properly. You see one hand grabs the middle or a right hand is on the right side of the controller and then a third hand comes in. (laughs) It really is an awkward, weird design. And not only that, but I mean, you had games that required you to like rapidly spin that stick around in a circle and I remember the instruction manuals for those controllers specifically said, don't take the stick to the absolute edges of the controller. Mm-hmm. And yeah. th- that thing would wear out in no fucking time at all. I can't tell you how many N64 controllers we had in my house as a kid. I think we had a total of six. And depending on how much I liked you when you came to my house to play Mario Kart, that determined which fucking worn out controller you got. <laughs> Yeah, I had a friend who had a 64 controller. He had a bunch of them in his closet that were broken. Yeah, it didn't take much. And if you had Mario Party, fucking forget about it. So yeah, bottom tier, guys. Sorry. All right, next one is the Nintendo GameCube controller. And that's top tier for me. Mm. I'm very close to putting that in the S tier. I am too. Because I do think that is Nintendo's best controller. This is coming from somebody who's not a GameCube fan. I had a GameCube for about a year. wasn't crazy about it, but man, I love that controller. Uh, yeah, I'll put it in S tier, and here's why. It is still the most commonly used controller for Smash tournaments today. The past couple generations, Nintendo had to make some sort of an adapter or whatever yes. to get the GameCube controller 
functioning on the new system. They did it for the Wii. Yep. They did it for the Wii U. And guess what? They did it for the Switch. No other controller has done that before. I don't think any other console has done that. There's a reason people love this thing. It's freaking comfortable. Sure, when you look at it, it looks weird. It's like there's a big red button here and a big what the it looks strange, but once you have it in your hand, you don't even think about it anymore. No, it's like perfectly laid out. Yes. Like I said, not a big GameCube fan. Wasn't crazy about the library, but you can't deny that controller. No. You just can't. So that's S tier for me. All right. <laughs> Next is the Nintendo Wii remote and nunchuck. Uh, uh, it functions, this thing. All right. It functions. it functions. It does what it's supposed to do. Is it comfortable? I don't know. It's. It just feels like I'm holding a remote control in my hand. I'm going to say mid tier because for a controller that was strictly based off motion. It actually isn't all that bad. Like, I played all through Metroid Prime 3 with it, and I didn't have a bad time. The only time I had an issue with that controller is when you tried to play an NES game with it, and you had to yeah. tilt it, <laughs> hold it like a traditional controller, and I'm like, what the hell is this? And Nintendo knew that was an issue, because they released the, the classic controllers, which I'm going to go into right now. So yeah, we're going to put the, the Wii remote and nunchuck in mid-tier. So I'm just going to jump straight into the classic controller, and then there's the classic controller pro. We'll just combine these. I've used the regular classic controller before. It's basically a Super Nintendo controller with sticks on it. Yeah. And I wasn't really crazy about it. Would be no, I mean, it's it's you. another one of those that's passable. It's not necessarily a bad design. Um the regular classic controller, I think, is another mid-tier controller. You think that's mid-tier? I think it's mid-tier. I don't think it, it had a bad design enough to it to warrant a bad tier or anything like that. What about the uh, the Pro? That one actually has grips on it. It was comfortable. Um, I played a few Smash Brothers matches with it. Um, the button placement was a little awkward. That was my only complaint with it. Okay. You think that's a mid-tier? Uh, yeah, I think all the Wii controllers, personally, to me, were mid-tiers. If there was a tier between mid and bottom, I'd probably stick it in there. Yeah. But we don't have that. Next up... Bottom tier. The Wii U gamepad. <laughs> I gotta agree with you. I've only used this thing once, and it was at a GameStop. I I played a good bit of Legend of Zelda Wind Waker Remastered on the actual gamepad. And when I say it was super fucking uncomfortable to where my hands cramped regularly, I am not even remotely joking. Like, I despised everything about this controller. I think it feels like a Fisher-Price controller or tablet. It does. It's a leapfrog. <laughs> leapfrog, yes. Leapfrog. It just felt very awkward. It just it didn't feel right in your hands. I'm, I mean, let's I'm sorry. let's call it what it was. It was the Switch prototype. Yeah, you're right. All right, next is the Wii U Pro controller. I've never used this one. It was a improved version of the uh, Wii Classic Pro controller. Um, it it was not, it was a passable controller. There's nothing wrong with it. 
Um, I would put it, I mean, if I had to place it somewhere, it'd be somewhere in between mid and top tier. Um, so the fact that it doesn't just quite get to that top tier category, I think puts it at another mid tier controller. It, it looks like an Xbox controller. Yeah. Same stick placements. To me, it's just the, um, the buttons felt cheap. I mean, it, it still felt like a cheap controller. Oh, okay. See, I've never held it in my hand. I'll take your word for it. All right. Nintendo Switch Joy-Cons. Now, me personally, I haven't used them because I have a Switch Lite. So this is all you, Indy. What do you think about these things? So we only ever use them for Mario Party. So that being said, (laughs) uh, bottom tier. Hmm. Um. The fact that there's I, a cl- I'll, I'll go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say. I mean, the fact that there's a class action lawsuit for the drift that alone puts it in bottom tier for me. Okay, that's a good reason. I've seen some videos of kids. It's like the the promotional videos that Nintendo posts, like kids trying to play Super Mario Kart with the Joy Cons, mm-hmm. which is one Joy Con. I'm just like. God, that doesn't even look comfortable in a kid's yeah. hand. I can't even imagine an adult trying to play it like that. All right, so the next one is uh, the Nintendo Switch Pro controller, which I think it looks similar to the Wii U one. I haven't used it once again. Sorry, guys. There's no reason for me to use this controller with a Switch Lite. It would be absolutely ridiculous. So, um, this is another Nintendo controller that we have. We actually have a Spyro Edition one. Um, it's another mid-tier controller. It has the same drift problems as any other Nintendo product, unfortunately, and it also still feels cheap, so it's a mid-tier. It's amazing what Nintendo can get away with. I know, right? If Microsoft made a cheap controller, or Sony made a cheap controller, they'd be getting shit all the way to Broadway. Not Nintendo. Now we're moving into Xbox. First up is the Duke controller and S controller. I'm going to combine these. Okay. I was looking at the Duke controller recently. I've used it before many, many, many years ago. I, I, now I understand you like it. Oh, I was already going to put it in mid-tier, bottom-tier. Like I know I've gotten used to it. For me, it's the size. It fits my hands really well once I got used to it. It fits it better than any other controller. So for my personal usage, I love it. But as a design compared to what everybody else is going to be comfortable with, the Do controller honestly is a bad tier controller. <laughs> it is. It oh, is. 100% is. The, the button placements, the, it's uncomfortable. It's too big. Look at the A, B... XY buttons on that, yeah. and then look at the slims. The slims looks more like the traditional one you guys are used to seeing, like on the yep. 360, or the Xbox One, and the Series controller. Like they got it right. The Duke was just ridiculously flawed, and it's huge. Like Shaquille O'Neal can hold that thing, and it still looks big. Yeah, it's too big. It's too big. I'm sorry. Are you okay with putting that in the bottom tier? Because oh, yeah, I'm a thousand percent. Because okay. I'm thinking about everybody else. I'm not necessarily just thinking about myself. Now, the slim controller, that's actually comfortable. Um, I had both as a kid, 
and I spend most of my time using the Slim controller. I know this is going to sound crazy, but I would honestly put that in the top tier. I would too. Um, also because of its durability. You couldn't break the damn thing. Well, only had one the entire time. And it felt brand new at the very end. Yeah, and mine got thrown plenty thanks to MVP Baseball 2005. <laughs> I did not handle losing games very well. <laughs> now, if Xbox... Or not Xbox. Who's the guys who released the Duke controller? Uh, Hyperlink. If they do a Slim, I might get that. I really like that controller. I wouldn't be surprised if they do, because they keep releasing new editions of the Duke controller. They just released a 20th... I think it was a 20th anniversary? Yeah, you're right. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you see it coming. All right, time to move on to the 360. Now, we have two 360 controllers here. We have the standard 360 controller you got with the consoles. And I added an extra one here. The Xbox 360 Rock Candy third-party controllers. The 360 controller, which I have right behind me, because I have a 360 now. I had one back in the day. I recently purchased one. Well, not recently. It was like months ago, but I purchased one, and now I have it again. I have two controllers. The controller still feels comfortable, but this controller has the worst D-pad I've ever used, mm. ever. Yeah. I've used so many controllers over the years. Nothing comes close to this. Horrible D-pad, and let's not forget the stick drifting the 360s had. Now, yeah. I know some of you probably didn't experience that, and if you did, you're lucky. Me, on the other hand... I'm very careful with my controllers, but back in the 360 days, five of my controllers drifted. So it puts this controller in a weird place because it feels really comfortable. And when it's working, it's great, but there is flaws. Yeah. I'm going to put this in the mid tier. Okay. I can respect that. Here's the thing, guys. If it wasn't for the D-pad, and if the sticks didn't drift, I would put this in the S tier. I'm not joking. I would put it that high. But because of those two things, it drops quite a bit for me. Still a great controller, but I just can't get past those two issues. Which means we're also going based off of how they hold up today. And there are, let's face mm -hmm. it, there are better controllers than the 360 controller today. At the time, it was being called the best controller that they had made so far. But, as of today, I would call it mid-tier. All right. Next. Oh, oh, I didn't. I'm sorry. Let's go back to the 360. We have the Rock Candy controller. That was like a cheap $20, $25 controller. Yeah. It got the job done, but it had severe dead zone issues with the it sticks. Did. That was a bottom tier. It was pretty. The buttons are cheap. Like you said, it's pretty. <laughs> Let me put it this way. I bought it to run emulators on my laptop. That's what I bought those for. The reason I bought a Rock Candy is because of all my drifting Microsoft 360 controls. I was just like, well, what the hell? Might as well try a third party. But then I quickly realized it was terrible for shooters. <laughs> so bottom tier. All right. Next up is the Xbox One controller. I like this one. I wasn't crazy about it at first. Uh, later down the line 
uh, when they started to introduce. Well, actually, they're they're really the same. The the original Xbox One controller is the same as the the the, the newer ones. I think the only main difference was the uh, the microphone attachment piece at the bottom. Yeah, you had to have like an adapter on the original controller, but then they fixed that. I'd probably put this in the top tier. I would too. They seem to fix the drift issue with it, for the most part. I mean, it still happens. You can't 100% fix it. But it's nothing like the 360, and I've had a couple Xbox One controllers over the years. The reason why I don't have the other two anymore is because I gave one to a friend, and I think I traded the other one, but they were perfectly fine. There was nothing wrong with them. So yeah, top tier. All right, next up is the Xbox Elite controller. Now, I'm pretty sure you don't have this, Indy. Nope. I don't have it. Now, I'm combining the, the the one and the two. It's a very expensive controller. My only issue with the first one is it didn't have a rechargeable battery pack. But other than that, I take everybody's word for it, like that it's a fantastic controller. Everybody that uses it says it's one of the best controllers they've ever used. I mean, it better be for the price. Yeah, if you're spending $200 on a controller, that thing better be massaging my hands and doing other things. Um, I've held one, but I haven't used it. Um, it's comfortable. I think we have to put it in S tier. Yeah, I agree. Just looking at it, it looks comfortable. Yeah. And I have friends who have it, and, and they swear to me that it's the most comfortable control they've ever used, so I'll take the word. All right, next we have uh, the Xbox Series controller. I'd say it's top tier. Yeah, it's top tier. I, I put it up there with the Xbox One. Now, it's funny, I actually favor the Xbox One controller just a little bit, hmm. because I prefer the um, the chunkier feel, because it's a little bit thicker. Not by a lot, but just a little bit. Yeah. The series is a little thinner. Uh, it does have some nice upgrades, like the textured grips, and the, they have some textured uh, triggers on there, too, as well, so your fingers don't slip off. It's got a better D-pad. Some people will argue that the Xbox One version is better. I think they're both good in that department. I I don't have an issue with either D-pad. Yeah, I would stick this in the top tier. All right, let's move on to the PlayStation. Now, there's two PlayStation 1 controllers. There's the original, and then there's the DualShock. The big difference is one had sticks and rumble, and the other had no sticks. As much as I love the PlayStation controllers, the old ones, they really don't hold up very well. I'd say bottom tier, bro. God, it just pains me to put that there, though. <laughs> so I've played oh. with, I'll say this, I've played with one in the last five years. Because we found Ash's old PlayStation and booted it up to play OG Spyro before they did the remaster. And... It does not hold up, man. It really doesn't. I have a PlayStation 3 controller, and it's similar. There's little minor changes here and there, but it has that same design. And I can tell you right now, it's not a comfortable controller. You get used to it, but it's not comfortable. And the big issue I have with the first three DualShock controllers is the sticks are too close together. So sometimes your thumbs will hit each other. So, original PlayStation 1 and the PlayStation 1 DualShock are going to be in the bottom tier. That pains me, because I love the PlayStation <laughs> 1. 
Sorry to do that to you. All right, we can kind of quickly go over DualShock 2 and 3 because it's kind of the same controller, just little minor things. Now, there is a a six-axis version of the PlayStation 3 controller. It just didn't have rumble. They were trying to get rid of that. There's a whole thing about that. I'm not going to get into it. Just do your research. It's interesting. For me personally, it's a bottom-tier controller again. Yeah, the PS3 controller feels Fisher-Pricey. Yeah. A little bit. Sorry for quickly going through these now. We were looking at the time, and it's like getting up there. (laughs) So we're going to move on. PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 3, 6-axis and DualShock 3 are in the bottom tier. Now, next up is the PlayStation Move and Navigation Controller. I've only used this thing once. I find it to be more comfortable than the Wii controller and the nunchuck. Not saying it's great, but me personally, it felt better in my hands. I use it a lot for VR, and I'll agree, it feels more comfortable, but it is definitely a bottom-tier controller due to how it functions. That PlayStation camera struggles to track those controllers if it's a well-lit room. And it looks like a dildo. Then there's, there's that. And people probably use it for that. Yeah. I'm not joking. There are people who Oh, I'm not questioning it. <laughs> All right, DualShock 4. That's the PlayStation 4. Top tier. Yeah, top tier. My only reason to put it in the top tier and not the S tier is the light bar on the top. It looks cool, but you can't turn it off. You can only Mm -hmm. dim it. And because of that light, it messed with the battery. You only got like four hours out of it. If you could turn that light off, you could probably get a couple more hours. And it also got drift very quickly. See, mine never drift. I had a different issue with the PlayStation 4 controller. Eventually, the rubber on the sticks rip. Oh, yeah, that too. I've had three of them. I've had one with this. uh, On all three, I've dealt with drift. And on one of them, the rubber was peeling off the sticks. Right now, I just want to give you guys an update. There's only two controllers in the S tier, and that's the GameCube and the Xbox Elite. All right, next is the DualShock. Oh, not DualShock, I'm sorry. The DualSense, the PlayStation 5 controller. Now, this one's all you. S tier, 100%. This is the most comfortable controller I've ever used. Hands down. The haptic feedback in it is amazing. The feeling that controller gives you when you have raindrops hitting something, when you have uh, AstroBot's little feet, running around glass and stuff. It mimics that. You can feel him doing that in the controller. It's one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. The great things about the DualShock 4 is there and it's enhanced. And they made it a little bit chunkier, which I prefer. And the controller feels expensive. Like when you see the price like 70, 75 dollars, man, that that's pretty expensive. But when you have it in your hands, you immediately understand why it's that price. High quality controller. S tier all the way. Well said. So that means I prefer the PS5 controller over the series controller. Series controller is great. But it doesn't hold a candle to the dual sense. All right. uh, What the hell's left? Sega. 
That's right, Sega. We have three Sega controllers here. We have the Sega Genesis, the Saturn, and the Dreamcast. But let's start with the Genesis. Now, I know there's two different versions of this. I know I had both. Yeah, I'm thinking of the OG one, the first one. Yeah, the, the, that, big, the clunky one. bastard. Yeah, I don't like that one. No, that one's a uh, that one's a bottom tier controller. I think it rivals the 360 for worst D-pad ever. Every time I clicked that thing, it felt like I was clicking it wrong. Dude, my th- I remember being a kid, my thumbs would get sore off that controller. Playing Sonic for a few hours on that was not a fun experience. Uh, as for the smaller one... That one was better. I'd say it was mid-tier. Yeah, I would go to mid-tier on that one. Now, I didn't have a Saturn. Me neither, but I've held it once. And I don't know. Like, that's a weird one. That is a weird one. There's something about it. I just can't put my finger on it. No pun intended. I can put my <laughs> fingers on it. I, I, I wish you have experienced that as well, Indy. Maybe some of you who are listening can uh, explain that for me. If you have the same feeling that I'm trying to express. What's up with that controller? I'm looking at it. Um, yeah, look at that thing. <laughs> this looks like a bottom tier controller, man. It looks like bad design. The one time I've held it in my hands, I, I was just like, no. No, I don't like this. Sure, I didn't play anything with it. But I don't need to play something to know that that doesn't feel right. So bottom tier. The last controller. The Dreamcast. I want to put this thing in top tier so bad because it was so ahead of its time and it was such a great controller at the time. That wire indie. I know. I Why know. is it at the bottom? It's like literally the only controller on this list that did that. And it got in the way. I, I've used it, it a couple times. My fingers would hit it sometimes. I'm like, why has this got to be at the bottom? And I've heard people say, well, it's because, you know, they put this and this and the screen and this other thing that was was implemented near the top and they couldn't put it there. Nah, nah that, that's a that's a poor excuse. You figure it out. I'll say this, though. I don't think it deserves a slot in bottom tier. I think it's at least a mid tier. I agree with that. It's not a bottom tier controller because I, I like the design. It's mostly comfortable, except for the wire. I like the screen on it. Very innovative. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think I forgot to write one of these down, but it doesn't matter. It's not like we're <laughs> going to post this somewhere. You just go back and listen to the episode, and you can figure it out. I don't know if we're going to have time for surprise mechanics on this one. <laughs> I got one really quick one. Like, All it's right. fast, in and out. And you told me before the episode that you didn't have one. Nope. Because of how long this episode is, we're just going to do one surprise mechanic. I'm sorry, guys. I know you love this part of the show. I love it too. But we got carried away with the controllers and the Halo and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Now, you're probably just saying, well, keep going. What's the big deal? Well, I edit the show. And it's not fun doing <laughs> long episodes. Let me tell you, trying to find time and balance everything out with editing and things I got to take care of, it's not easy. So I should just shut up now and introduce surprise mechanics so I don't pad the time even more. 
But yeah, surprise mechanics is uh, when we, me and Indy, we both bring something random to the table. It could be about anything, literally anything, a story, a funny moment, something we ate. I, I could literally talk about grass seed I just put on my lawn the other day. <laughs> That's why we call it surprise mechanics. So this week, we're only going to have one. I'm sorry. Next week, we'll make up for it. I promise. But my quick surprise mechanic for this episode was a very interesting encounter I had with Sony Rewards Customer Service. Okay. Because I had to call them up because I had some points in my account. It was enough to redeem a PSN card. I was like, oh, cool. Let me try and redeem it. Didn't work. It was saying I was using a VPN. I don't use a VPN. I'm like, what the hell's going on? It won't let me check out. So I call Sony Rewards up. And the guy I get on the phone, hands down, is probably the best customer service agent I've ever talked to because it didn't sound like a customer service agent. The guy sounded like a dude I would talk to on Xbox Live. Oh, wow. He was so cool. He was chill. We were literally just talking about a whole bunch of random shit. We, we, we forgot what we were even doing. Like, why, the reason I called. <laughs> we, we were talking about Star Wars. We were talking about all kinds of shit, like the, the, the KOTOR remake coming out. The reason why we're talking about Nice Republic is because of my PSN name. It has Revan in there, so he noticed it. So we started going into Star Wars talk, a bunch of other nerdy shit. And then he's like, yeah, you know what? We should go back to, you know... <laughs> what your reason was for calling i was like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I need help getting this checked out and uh i was surprised we didn't like hey what's your uh, psn we should play something sometime that's how chill the conversation was i i've never had anything remotely like this with the customer service agent on anything that's a really cool story yeah it's always like um Oh, I'm sorry you experienced that. Right. And, uh, I feel your frustration. And, and and I don't have any issue with people who say that stuff because they talk to like hundreds of thousands of people. You know, you get sick and tired of doing this shit probably after a long time. So, yeah, that's my surprise mechanic. Huge surprise for me. Yeah, I would imagine so. Oh, wow. The time flies, Indy. Yeah. It's getting late. I'm tired. I know you're not feeling well. Yeah. So there's a lot of things telling us to stop. So we're going to have to stop. But guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. This was a real fun one. If you have any controllers you want us to talk about, maybe in Discord with or something, and if you have like some other suggestions, hit us up on there. We'll interact with you. But yeah, that's it. I am tired. My mouth is dry. I don't have any water near me. So that is a huge problem. So I'm <laughs> getting the raisin mouth right now. Indy, you have anything else to say before we get out of here? If you're listening to this on the day that this show aired, yesterday was Ashley's birthday. So go make sure you wish her happy birthday on the Boundless Gamer page. Hey, there you go. I forgot this posts on Thursdays. So that event's going to pass. So yeah, show her some love, guys. Spammer. Hey, <laughs> even check out her Etsy store. Just yeah, saying. definitely. She's got some cool shit there. I, I recently purchased a sticker on there. Well, I've purchased a few in the past, but I got that uh, alligator pew pew one that she made. It's freaking cool. I love it. All right. 
Let's go to bed, Indy. Let's do it. <laughs> Once again, I'm Mike. I'm Indy. And we will catch you in the next episode. You all have a good one. Stay safe.